This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The federal government, the CRTC, and stakeholders are trying to figure out how to manage Canadian content in the digital world. The Senate is currently scrutinizing Bill C-11 and the complexity of regulating the digital space. Let's just say it's coming into focus. Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez has already been butting heads publicly with Google over their objections. The bill does come with some potential opportunities for Canadian content creators. So let's bring in Kevin Shaw for his thoughts on the bill. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Great to chat with you once again. Thank you for making time today. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm well. So, Kevin, I wanted to start with your general feeling on Bill C-11. I know I didn't do sort of the full in-depth in the weeds setup there, but what's your take on it? Well, look, nobody asked for it. Nobody wants it. Nobody needs it. Um, this is kind of a classic case of government overreach into, you know, this new scary world of, of, of uh, you know, digital internet content that they don't really understand and, and I don't think that they should be involved with at all. Yeah, my general vibe is that trying to regulate the digital space, it, it, it can get really thorny really quickly. And it begs a question of who exactly qualifies as regulatable content maker and what precisely makes content Canadian. This question is maybe like a little bit Captain Obvious here, but have we entered an era where trying to put the digital toothpaste back in the tube is too daunting? Well, look, every every form of media has displaced the, the form of media that came before it. So TV displaced radio, radio displaced print. Um, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of, uh, you know, newspapers, uh, the daily newspapers that we have now dis, uh, d- disrupted, you know, tabloid news. So um, we're, we're, in an, we're in an age now where, uh, you know, the, the, the mule has left the barn and... Um, we can't really we can't really close the door now. Um, Netflix is here to stay. Uh, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and YouTube and and all of TikTok and all of these other platforms they're here to stay. Um, and deciding to now go and regulate them, I think, is a little bit uh, too little, too late. Yeah, the, the the way in which content is already spread and is and is especially in the last couple of years really stretched across so many different platforms. It it definitely speaks to the fact that you're going to have a very difficult time trying to get all these stakeholders on board. So, Kevin, is and you it, go ahead, please? No, I was going to say, and when and when YouTube creators, Canadian YouTube creators, can can put up a video that gets more views than you know, the CBC on a Saturday night, um, that's telling. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I, I, I think about a lot of people who I follow inside the social, I'm going to call it the social media space or the mm-hmm. new media space yep. who are Canadians, but they're not necessarily telling a Canadian story. It's not a financial advisor from Moose Jaw. It's a dude who talks about blue chip stocks who lives in Montreal, who just does right. a really good job. You know, like it sure, doesn't sure, like, sure. And, and like that is in theory, that is Canadian. It's a Canadian making the contents, but I wouldn't call it Canadian content other than the fact that he's just talking about uh, some very lucrative Canadian investments. 
Yeah, uh, and I know like the open media guys have been they've been all over this and in, in terms of pointing out the fact that you've got to cross uh, check six of these ten boxes in order to be considered Canadian content. So so for example, like you know the Handmaid's Tale, that's not Canadian content, even though it's it, you know it's a story told by a Canadian. Um, one of my favorite movies, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, set in Toronto with a Canadian lead actor, not Canadian content, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, as you said, this 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 feels a little bit like maybe we're trying to uh, overreach. We're trying to uh, navigate a space that is very unnavigatable. What are some of the drawbacks in the way that this that this bill is currently constructed and being messaged? Well, this is this is going to hit this is going to hit the the viewer and the consumer the hardest because now instead of going to your TikTok feed or going to your Instagram or your your YouTube feed and seeing just the content that the that the service gives to you, um, the CRTC has mandated that you've got to fill that with Canadian content. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I like I like good CanCon, but uh, at the same time, I, I think that that's going to bubble up a lot of, uh, you know, let's just say mediocrity. Um, and just just plain old stories that people aren't, aren't interested in and content that people aren't interested in. Um, and I think that's harmful to to creators. So I'd I'd push back a little bit on that one because I because I do think there is some merit here for content creators. I I do understand the criticism of some mediocrity, especially in the world of Canadian TV. Probably until about sort of fifteen years ago, when production costs finally went down, when it cost less to make an actual professional-looking television mm -hmm. show. Digital has absolutely changed the way in which people can make this content. Oh, for sure. And and I do think about the oftentimes criticized Canadian content regulations in regards to music, because there have been some genre explosions in Canada that were largely fostered by Canadian content regulations. I think about the hard rock explosion of the yep. late 90s, you know, bands yeah. like Our Lady Peace and Matthew Good yep. Band and Moist and the Tea Party, I Mother Earth, like just the, the entire lineup of Edgefest, like just incredible, mm. incredible stuff. And even now, when you look at sort of the explosion of people like Drake and The Weeknd, and people can yeah. quibble whether or not they like Drake or The Weeknd, but it's super popular music, and it is bringing a lot of spotlight to Canadian producers and Canadian musicians and bringing bring in places like Toronto and Vancouver, Montreal on the map. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is merit here from a structural point of view, but I mean, obviously I, I am open to being pushed back on that a little bit. So, so here's my thing. The reason we like Drake and we like the weekend and we like rush and we like all of these, you know, Canadian bands that, that kind of, you know, live on in our collective consciousness it's because they made excellent music. Uh, the reason that that you know Linus Tech Tips, which is this YouTuber out in Vancouver who just does videos about computers, the reason he's got you know multi millions of of subscribers is because he produces excellent content that people actually want to watch. And when you've got Canadian content rules that are saying, hey, here's some boxes that you need to check off. Are we are we checking off boxes or are we actually creating great stories that people want to engage with? 
Yeah, it's 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 certainly a fair criticism. I I, I will grant you that one. And again, as I'm going to use a cliche here, I'm going to use a platitude. Certainly, devils are in the details here, right? Like, how are you actually boosting up this platform stuff? Because I don't right. just want to see Kim's Convenience or Shit's Creek like as sure. that number one thing on my algorithm yep. every time. Like, at least that they're going to do this. I want to see some like interesting original content popping up. Sorry, I've got. Computers yelling at me here. So <laughs> you got Dave Brown and computers yelling at you. That's that's, right. how, that's how these things go sometimes. Hey that's Kevin, live TV. For yeah, you. That's live TV through and through. Hey Kevin, let's just shift gears here for a quick second because I want to yeah. hit you with a thought because you are very much into the technology world, the technology space, the development space. Mm-hmm. I I want to ask you a question because I think you can offer me some professional perspective. Two of my favorite apps just went through a big redesign. Spotify and Hotels.com both Mm -hmm. drastically changed their user experience and their layouts, and it irked me for different reasons. To (laughs) keep it it sort of simple, in the case of Spotify, they just changed their navigation. Everything's blocky and bulky and clunky now. It wasn't, it's not as smooth, it's not as easy to find what I'm looking for, which shouldn't be that hard because it's stuff that I subscribe to, you know? Like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be hidden away from me through weird, like, weird blocky design. And in the case of in the case of uh, hotels.com, this is more of an accessibility thing. The accessibility mm-hmm. settings on my phone, in terms of uh, font size and screen zoom, the app just absolutely destroys those now. Like it does not work. It's not compatible. It's not usable. Right. So, Kevin, from your experience working in this space, I'm I'm genuinely curious. It's a long preamble, but I'm a, am I a Luddite who's afraid of change? Or is there an inherent risk when a company decides to redesign an app or a website? Well, you, you hit on a really good point there, and, and that's the word risk. Uh, you know, before risk was, you know, do we have our data on Canadian servers? Are we, you know, are we backed up? Are we protected against, uh, you know, lawsuits, that kind of thing? Usability and accessibility now are falling into that risk category very, very quickly because if if other users like yourself, uh, you know, either with or without a disability, look at the interface and go, well, this is really blocky and really clunky and I'm not gonna use this thing anymore uh, because they've hidden away features, all of a sudden you've got churn on that, on that platform and people are gonna, are gonna jump to something else or not use the features that, um, you know, that, it, that, that investors or that the companies invested dollars into, into making. Um, you know, I, I like the the Apple aesthetic of design of being clean, simple, and intuitive. Um, and not a lot of companies understand that in terms of uh, relating that back to back to risk and risk assessment. So, um, you know, the squeaky wheel gets gets the grease, as as we say, and <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, raise hell and and complain to. Uh, <laughs> to hotels.com I have. and Spotify. I have. I they, it's it's so funny. I logged into the app this week and they said, "Hey, you yeah. should review us in the App Store." Oh, and I sure did. <laughs> they got a yeah. they they got a review all right. But uh <laughs> Spotify's lucky cuz I have like a thousand songs downloaded and like built right. into playlists. So they they're not going to churn me away just because of the fact that I've already devoted so much work into building Spotify playlists. Right, right. <laughs> What do they call that? The sunk cost fallacy? I think I think that's a shining example right there. Hey, Kevin, we're so grateful for your time today. Thank you. I'm so glad that we're talking to you every couple of weeks. So enjoy this month, and we'll talk to you in November. For sure. Cheers. Cheers. That's Kevin Shaw talking a little bit about media, technology, business. Looking forward to having Kevin on as a regular guest here on the show. 
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.